Hi, Eric Wargo has a PhD in anthropology and is a science writer in Washington. He's also the author of the acclaimed book, Time Loops, and is a bit of a rock star to me and uh, some of the community that I hang out with sometimes. Um, all thanks to uh, my partner, Kate, uh, Daisy Campbell and the mycelium, I discovered time loops a couple of years ago and uh, it's completely changed uh, the ideas I had about time and dreaming uh, and consciousness uh, and, and what we can do with it to connect to each other and ourselves which is at the heart of this series and I've just had the most amazing conversation with Eric uh, and th that's what I want to share with you now. I uh, really hope you find this as uh, fascinating and, and just delightful uh, as I have. It's a, it's a really great conversation. So welcome to Super Connected Conversations. Welcome, Eric. <laughs> Finally, so great to, to meet you. Isn't so great it? to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Oh gosh, um, it, it's really special because uh, you, your your name and and your book Time Loops has been s spoken about and digested um, around me um, with other friends and my partner in particular for a couple of years now. And uh, you know, I do have. A, a question particularly uh, uh, related to the book but we'll get to that what these conversations that I've been having are about is is mainly to do with connection and the the kind of the growth of digital connection that we have as human beings now and what that's doing um, so in terms of your work and study I should call it uh, it's a, it's very human, you know. Um, and uh, well, first of all, let's just, I just wanted to find out where you're at at the moment because I think you're. Are you just about to publish a new book? Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect time to have this conversation about connection because that's kind of the theme, uh, or a theme of my new book, uh, Precognitive Dreamwork and the Long Self, which uh, is. Uh, you actually can buy it right now on Kindle and it's will be in physical bookstores next week. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely waiting for the, for the physical one. Yeah. The screen yeah. time is, is like, is too much now. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the half that, that second half of the title, the long self is really where I've been going uh, in the, well, with this book, um, which actually I finished, year and a half ago now but but uh you know, take time uh, yeah it take time to get published but i mean this is where i sort of went uh after uh after the publication of time loops sort of drawing out some of the implications of of what i talked about in time loops for for how we think about ourself and mm -hmm. you're talking about connection you know one form of connection is connection to the self, to ourselves, and mm -hmm. and uh, and the long self 
is this idea that we are our past and our future and the present all at the same time and that that dreams and all kinds of other precognitive experiences um, connect us to that in a really profound way so um so i'm this book is sort of focused on dream work as a, a way of getting in sort of connected to that sense of self i mean we go through life you know in the modern world so many so many aspects of our our, our modern lives just encourage us to think of the past as dead and gone it's irrelevant it's 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 gone and the future as how could the future have any impact on us right so we're just this these little you know we're just who we are right now at this moment in time and it is it, i find that very i think it's very alienating and it's uh when you realize that your past is still with you not just in the form of memory but that it's still here there's like like no barrier you can experience this in in precognitive dream work that there is no barrier between you right now and you maybe a decade ago or two decades ago or three decades ago or as a child i mean it's all happening at the same time and by the same token you're connected to your future until until death you know uh if not beyond you know and that's uh it's 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 a uh I think a very awe-inspiring idea, but it's incredibly profound to exper experience it directly. And you can do that with dreams and with other precognitive experiences, but dreams are the easiest avenue mm -hmm. to that. And as a, a further, uh, I'll just say, as a further entailment of that idea, it really transforms your relationships to other people mm. and your connections to other people when you realize that we're all long selves sort of intertwining and interweaving in these really uh, amazing paranormal ways um, via our precognitive unconscious. Uh, I, I love the term, the long self, um, mainly because, uh, and I, I did mention this to my girlfriend yesterday, uh, that when I was about 13, I, I, I remember my mother asking me, what are you, why do you have to do all these things? I was really creative. I was always writing or making like little albums on cassettes of my own music uh, at quite a young age. And I had to, I had to make them in a certain way. And she said, what makes you do these things? And apparently I answered her at the time that I, that I felt at 13 that I was sometimes looking uh, from the perspective of myself as an 80 year old man at the top of a ladder and kind of looking at my younger self at the bottom of the ladder and making sure that he was, uh, you know, fulfilling all the things along the way. <laughs> and uh, of course, my mother was slightly gobsmacked at this, but I've, I've sort of creatively felt like that my whole life in other ways, not, but creatively it was always, you know, these things have to be done in this way because, there's a feeling that that's they're already done. I'm just, I'm just fulfilling it, you know. Right. Um, and I, and I think that is how we connected. I think on Twitter um, yeah. a year or two ago, when I started a Twitter feed, which I've since ended, uh, but I did it for my 13-year-old self. I started publishing his poems, yeah, because I felt that that was a good thing for him. 
And this is with a lot of encouragement from my partner, who it is through her and her community that I know about your work. Um, and, and, and I'll acknowledge them more in detail later. But um, yeah, I, I, I really got the idea that as a 44-year-old man, honouring the work that the 13-year-old had done and sending it out into my would have made that young boy really happy. Right. And by default, that means that my 60-year-old self may be doing the same thing for me now, for my age now. And which it's taken, I mean, your book, I have to read passages two, sometimes three times, just to train my mind to accept the information in a way that lands properly, uh, which is why I love it. But my God, it's hard, <laughs> I hard as well. But um, that was a really amazing thing. And you and I told you something about this. And I think you said that you did something you did something like that as well for you were currently writing something for your younger self. Do you remember that? I don't remember what I how, how, how I replied. But I remember you telling me that story and being really. Uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's that's amazing. It's wonderful. And it's wonderful that you're and it's particularly uh, significant that you're an artist. You know, you're. Uh, art and creativity is 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 one of the one of the most profound ways we can get after dream work which is sort of easy everyone mm -hmm. can do dreaming you know everyone can everyone dreams we're all sculptors in our mind at night you know but uh but actively engaging in the arts you know in some way some form of artistic expression um in our waking life is is mm -hmm. the next way to to uh, to engage this, to engage the long self, and to uh, to experience this, and in fact, that's where I'm working on now. Is in fact a book on precognition and creativity. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, the the idea that you are, you know, uh, not only engaged, you know, help helping out your, you know, publishing your young younger self's, you know, poems, and that your older self is doing the same thing for you. Uh, I think it goes deeper than that. I think that, in fact, your 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 creativity, what you produce creatively, that's all coming from your future. That's all coming from your future self, and uh, that I believe that is the source of of creative creative inspiration. And uh, so, yeah, and it's not linear. It's not linear, is it? Because I think I, I would say probably most of the people I've grown up with, and me included, up to. Up, up until I read your book, uh, there's a sense that the future self, self is the end. You know, that's the end of my journey. Um, but it doesn't feel like that in your writing when you talk about um, our lives. Yeah, this is a conversation I have. You know, a lot of people go, yeah, okay, this, you know, my my model of pre precognition is kind of rooted in the body. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a materialist in that sense and that, in that, yeah. the, the the theory is that you know this is this is really the brain and so it doesn't really speak to these kind of larger spiritual questions about an afterlife or you know consciousness mm. surviving death and so forth and so some people who like just they want to hear that message so they're kind of like the, you know they decide well you know I'm, I'm not you know so what about you know my life on earth but it's like you really i mean i think you know if people really stopped and thought about how how you know I don't know if I can swear on your show, but you know how yeah, sure. Be, feel, feel. amazing our life on earth is and 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 how just astonishing 
these long selves are that we that we you know these long bodies that's the term used in um uh i i, I think it's uh, i think it's tibetan buddhism uh, that talks about the long body mm -hmm. um you know the, the our long bodies have these amazing adventures over the you know think about all the all the things you've done in your life just until now you know and hope you know god willing you're only halfway <laughs> only halfway <laughs> to the end you know yeah we, our lives are incredibly rich i mean just just amazingly rich and when you um add to that richness um this dimension that we're only starting to explore now really which is that that hey the past you know my thoughts today are actually affecting affected my biography in my past you know not only yeah. dreams but be via what my creative things you know i've you know i i i'll i'll have a you know, I'll have a, a remarkable experience and I'll re remember and I'll dig out like an old story that I wrote decades ago that was about this experience I'm having today. So there's like, there's no, no distance between your child self or your teen yeah. self and your present self and vice versa. So it's a, it's not, I, I find it just a, a incredibly inspiring, uh, it, it, me too and that really resonates with me because um i i often have songs that i wrote years ago that i i don't really know what they were about um but they felt like they needed to be uh, written or, or sung in the way that i'd written and sung them and then years later i sort of then something happened and i went oh that's what they, that's what it was about Right, um, but in quite literally a lot of the time, in in a spooky way, and um, synchronicity features hugely in in your work. And I, I've just got I, I noted a few things down, which I just I just wanted to mention. Uh, they're personal things of mine, but but they're things that I've heard you talk about, and it goes back for me to the mid to late nineties. Um, obviously, I mentioned to you in the email. You you, you mentioned. Joe Castor and, and the story of Oedipus uh, fulfilling his destiny uh, by trying to avoid it, uh, mm -hmm. which is just, um, do, I, I called my first band Joe Castor for this very reason. I was fascinated in the idea that you could, and this is when I was 17, uh, that, that you would not be able to escape some sort of fate but it, but but then you sort of describe it the other way round uh, that it's it's the fate that is leading you towards it or the, uh, or something. Um, but for well, any, anybody who doesn't know, do you want to quickly explain the the Oedipal sort of um, you know <laughs> story of Oedipus? Journey, that that bit of it. It's a longer story, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, well, and and you know, just briefly, the story of Oedipus is that uh, a an oracle, I think. Uh, foresees that um, uh, that well, an oracle foresees to Oedipus's uh, adopted father. Um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. That 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 oh, your son is going to you know kill you and and marry your your wife and 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 so on. And so he orders this baby taken to the wilderness and uh, you know left in the wilderness yeah. uh, to die. And of course. Uh, shepherd or whatever finds the baby and brings him to the uh, another 
you know, city across the mountain and where he grows up and, uh, and, a, and an oracle tells him that you're going to, you know, murder your father and marry your mother. And, and he, and he, you know, he doesn't know that he's adopted. Okay. And so he flees the city, you know, uh, to avoid this fate and uh, winds up at a crossroads where this, this, this regal man comes along and winds up killing this man. Uh, and then various other things happen involving a sphinx and so on, but he winds up, uh, he winds up, uh, becoming ruler of Thebes, the, the city that he had actually been born in, and marries Jocasta, uh, who, who was the, uh, the, the widow of the, of the man he murdered at the crossroads, turned out to be the king. And it takes him, of course, the, the, then the, the play, Sophocles' play, is sort of a, I don't know, it's been compared to a kind of a detective story where the detective finds out he's the, he's the killer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that never thought of it like that. It's yeah. so interesting. I, I've told the same story, uh, whatever that was, 23 years ago or something, um, uh, in the 90s, in the music kind of world of, of interviews when you're in a band and every single person kind of looking at me with this sort of, <laughs> That's, this is why you called the band Jocasta, and, I've, and that now I'm starting to think I only did it so that we could have this conversation now, because <laughs> nobody understood it then. Or, or yeah. Well, thankfully they didn't understand because they, if they had understood it, they would have said. Well, this is really Freudian, isn't it? I mean, that's you know because the Oedipus story was was for Freud. I mean, he was that was his single archetype of the of the unconscious, really, that we were all acting out this Oedipus story. But for him, and this is this is a theme that I, I hit in time loops and I return to it in the new book because I just it is so rich. The thing is he 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 did not believe in the idea of prophecy. Prophecy wasn't like he 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 totally couldn't abide that idea that the of prophecy. And so and for him that was just this superstitious mm. old thing that well, no one cares about that. What was interesting to him was the idea of marrying your mother, you know, killing your father and marrying your mother. And so that all human psychology is all about that. But, you know, really the story is about someone evade, trying to evade their fate, trying to evade uh, prophecy and fulfilling it in the process. Well, that's exactly what Freud did. Freud evaded the whole issue of precognition in his dream book and everything like that. He was denying constantly that dreams could be precognible. And he wound up like living this fate that he had foreseen in a dream and didn't, didn't realize it. But so if, if anyone had known, luckily Freud was, you know, way out by the time <laughs> no one knew about Freud when you were, when you were naming the band Jocasta, but, <laughs> but uh, anyone who knew Freud would have gone, mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. Of course. And then after that, um, after the band had split up, I started uh, working, making music at um, Shakespeare's Globe. And um, and I I was exposed there to uh, the whole world of 16th century um, alchemy, uh, Hermes Trismegistus, and as uh, it Giordano Bruno, yeah, yeah, and 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 of course the book, uh, Francis Yates' book, The yeah. Art of Memory, suddenly came into my life, and this was via some incredibly uh magical creative people uh working at that theater that 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 i was um involved with at the time and 
you know, I've heard a couple, obviously, I've been listening to your, uh, not podcasts, YouTube videos and stuff, of interviews, and you're mentioning these things that that I kind of not forgotten about, uh, but but have not not really paid attention to. And and it's it's been crazy just how much of of that period uh, that I think probably maybe you discovered the book in the nineties as well. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it would have been. I discovered that book actually as an undergraduate in college. It was uh, probably eighty seven, something like that, eighty eight, and it made a big impact on me then. And then and then I. I don't know. It, it was sort of planted a seed, and then I I spent a, a couple of years um, in Prague in the mid '90s, which is when a lot of uh, Americans and Brits were kind of living in in Prague as expats uh, at that point. And that, of course, is the center of alchemy. And there mm. were there was an al alchemical conference while I was there, and that kind of like reconnected me to all that hermetic stuff, exact all the stuff you're mentioning, Giordano Bruno and uh, and the art of memory, and uh, and 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 Yates, uh, and yeah, and that and that kind of like that reawakened interest really, boy, that really consumed me as a, uh, you know, in my in my thirties and forties, and kind of kind of prepared the way for me to get into into uh, studying the paranormal. Um, so yeah. yeah, and my new book actually talks about the art of memory a lot. That's a that's a big part of the book, actually. Right. So, oh, wonderful! Yeah. Uh, and it, and it's magic, I suppose. And that's what I get from the one the one area that you talk about a lot in your work, which is dreams, of course. And um, uh, is the one thing that I I never seem to have studied uh, until the last few years, and and my dreaming life sort of came back to life, and mm. of course. Kate, my partner, is an independent dream researcher. I mean, that's that's uh -huh. her. It's her life, you know. It's her passion. Uh, and so I'm sure she. I said, "Is there anything you want me to ask?" I don't know what I'm going to talk to Eric about really. And she said, "Well, that's you know, just turn up, and then you, you know, that, you'll find out why. <laughs> you know, why you why you're having the conversation." And um, and it's it struck me that these conversations that I'm doing every week are to do with connection. Uh, as human beings in respect of this other thing that's grown in the last 25 years, which is, you know, technology communications and and what is gripping everyone's attention. You know, I think that the attention economy, isn't it? It's called um, with social media and, and, and all kinds of platforms now that just kind of, you know, on a lot. And then it struck me that so much of what you're talking about is consciousness and and magic, I think, and uh, and and dreaming and and very human activities that you don't need to charge up something in a wall socket to make work. <laughs> you know, the real stuff, let's call it. Yeah. Um, and so I I. I wondered how you feel. It's I see your your work since when did you um, leave college? Was that early nineties, mid nineties? Um, I grew uh, yeah eighty nine, eighty nine. Yeah. yeah. So you've really been working on this. Um, uh, what what do, I don't know what to call it, but you know ways for us to understand how our brain communicates with itself uh, and how that affects our life. 
at the same time as the the technology uh, revolution, the digital revolution has been accelerating at, at that other pace. And I kind of see your work and, and that work going together. And I wonder, is, is there a natural point where they can be together and 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 work together or do you see those as very um you know separate hmm, i don't know how to answer that question <laughs> i well as you're talking though i'm uh, what i'm thinking about is is the incredible ways that all the forms of connection you're talking about you know social media email and so on uh mm. the incredible ways that that uh, precognition operates in these in these new media, these new uh, forms of media. And this is actually this is actually something that the ufologist Jacques Vallée noticed back in the nine in the seventies when he was working on the first the first iterations of the internet and computer networks. And these were little you know two node or three node networks, you know, connecting a couple people across the country. Um, but he was noticing. Uh, that ESP seemed to like be really activated by these these connections, and and so this was this was something that he wrote explicitly about, and in fact he even did a couple studies of sort of uh, ESP via email or early. I'm not sure if it was email chat rooms, kind of early kind of chat room type things. And, wow, I love this. Go <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, and this is man, this is this is totally totally uh a thing uh uh e esp is really i consider you know i'm interested in precognition you know specifically and it is uh it is so charged by by virtual connections of whatever kind um uh you know you can you can if you have if you're if you're connecting to someone you know via email say who is at all attuned or interested in mm. You know synchronicities, whatever, whatever dreams, you know, open to this stuff in one way, one way or the other. Magic, you know, if you want to call it that. Way. Um, you can your connections become an ongoing paranormal experience. And uh, you know, I have people that I email with that, like, I, you know, I'll I'll have a dream or I'll have some kind of random obsession, and it exactly corresponds to an email I get from them. You know. Uh, but but it but it'll be reciprocal because they'll be telling me uh, about a, I had this funny dream you know that blah 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 and I go oh wait it's this and I'll and I'll send them a picture or something like that and I'll turn out oh my god that's what I dreamed about so this 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 kind of reciproc reciprocal ongoing connection becomes this 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 fertile ground for these kinds of constant paranormal experiences yeah. I actually I use the word paranormal because it's just sort of a category i mean i don't really consider them paranormal i think they're they're normal they're they're human but uh but they're amazing you know you've got me smiling about emails and social media for the first time in a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. this is what it's about for me i think yeah it, yeah. yeah and like and now you know people uh, what's great have been been great about my books is that people now like send me emails with their amazing stories and so i get to hear tons yeah. of stories but but this theme of of connecting uh via and the way that that um precognition time loops so on sort of connects us uh in a new way with the help of these these electronic 
you know, technological forms of connection is just a, such a, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And, um, uh, yeah, and not, and not even just emails. I mean, I, I'll, uh, you know, most of my precognitive dreams, I would say probably half of my precognitive dreams, roughly, uh, on a weekly basis are about something that I encounter on Twitter. And that's like my, you know, my main social media platform. And, and, you know, it'll be a picture or, or some interesting story that I'll click on and I'll read, and I'll read a passage. It's like, holy crap, I dreamed this, you know, last night. That's, you know, so the, that's how we engage with the world. Right. I mean, I think, mm. You know, if we were in a pre-modern world where we weren't engaging via the media, I'm sure back in the TV age, you know, people would were precognitively dreaming about TV yeah. stuff. But but now it's 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 internet and social media. And... Yeah, um, with with precognitive dreams, I I I had an experience of that, and again, I I only remembered really when I was reading your book, and um, I don't know how it got lost, but it was a it was a long time ago. Um, I think it was uh, 2003. I was in a, living in a Buddhist monastery in Thailand, which sounds fancy. I'd gone there for rehab, so it was it was a very unfancy reason that I was there. Um, and uh, I I was sort of cleaning up, so to speak, and taking vows that the monks uh, in a particular sect of of Buddhist. Uh, a Buddhist community uh, charged with a lot of uh, energy. And I was told before I went back to England uh, that certain things might happen that would, you know, that it was really powerful that I'd done these vows. Um, and I, I, I'm not, I've never been the sort of person to go, well, you know, that's a load of nonsense. I, I kind of thought, oh, exciting. <laughs> and then forgot about it. Uh, and then I was asked by one of the, the, the abbot of this monastery, who was a really beautiful, uh, old, in, in his late 70s, monk who'd never traveled. It's part of their uh, rules, their vows. They're not allowed to tr travel unless it's by foot. Uh, he was obsessed with Stonehenge. And uh, so he asked me to go to Stonehenge and, uh, and uh, trace the cracks in the stones uh, to, to then use to create music, which I did. I, I did this and um, it was an incredible journey. And uh, and eventually I did take the, the tracings of these lines from Stonehenge back to Thailand and played him the music. And um, But the night that I made that trip, I, I had the most extraordinary dream that didn't feel like a dream. It felt like real, you know really real and i was sort of hovering fly, almost flying above this uh tree in north london at the bottom of the tree there was a young uh, black girl who was uh crying and asking for help and i i could every time i tried to get near her, i couldn't anyway um kind of long story short two days later that girl's face was on the front page of the newspaper and had been um, sadly, um, brutally uh, murdered. And it was a big story in the UK at the time. And I had never had such a feeling of, of uh, I don't know, I kind of felt guilty because I it was absolutely her face, it was her. Mm. And two days beforehand, I, I, I'd had this dream and I was thinking I should have said something to somebody, I should have done something, all this kind of stuff. And 
and then reading your stories about and you you've got so many great case histories of people having experiences like that which i've never read until i read your book and, and so that it brought all of that up but how what's your view on on the on the why <laughs> i suppose why does it happen um i kind of get i'm down with the fact that it does happen and uh, and and is absolutely something that it can happen to anybody mm-hmm. But why why do why do we get to see some things in that are not in the what do we what what do you call this time um, the present I suppose do you know what I mean Eric mm-hmm. Yeah absolutely and this is that. <laughs> yeah well I mean what you're describing and this is this there's a whole you know chapter or two chapters really I think in the in the book devoted to this exact experience you're describing and the, the having a premonition. Yeah, that's a standard definition of a premonition. It's sort of a, mm. a kind of uh, some sort of dream or some sort of experience that seems to anticipate some bad thing happening. You know, uh, like someone dying or or a disaster. Or, or the Titanic that you. Or the Titanic is the famous. famous yeah. But um, first of all, I mean, and also what you're describing is that guilt, that guilt that you feel like, oh, I dreamed about this. I should have been able to do something about it. That's a everyone who has a premonition like that and it comes true and that's their first you know the first thought is holy crap i i you know i i had a dream about this and the second is is like oh my god like is it somehow my fault you know was i supposed to warn someone was i supposed to do something about that um well this goes i mean it raises so many questions about fate and so forth you know if if, Mm. if they have these experiences does that mean that they're etched in stone and we can't alter them, whatever? I think it's it's very important to uh, to think about what is the function, you know, what why do we have these experiences? And I really think that 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 when we have what seems like a premonition of, of a disaster, say, or this this girl's um, um, death, that um, in a way that that it's not really about that. What it's about is your own emotions. It's about your own feelings about that thing, about your own um, uh, shock, about your own sadness, your own guilt. That's wrapped up in the in the dreams often. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, because ultimately, you know, the the dreaming, the dream is not about. It's not giving you information about something happening at a distance it's giving you information about something that that you're going it's about your own reading experience or your own learning experience you know two days later mm. and that learning experience is among other things it's filling you with mixed emotions mixed emotions seems to be one of the keys to to precognitive dreaming that that events of whatever magnitude you know whether it be uh some a news story like 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 you encountered or just something trivial like a, a sink backed up you know there's mm-hmm. that's an example from my book too um just it can be minor but the point is there's mixed emotions uh involved in these things it's like it's it's a it's a it's it's uh it has there's negative emotions there there's sadness pain blah 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 but there's also whenever there's a disaster or a death happening to somebody else there's kind of a lizard brain part of the of us that goes well but i'm I survived. I'm here. Life is that much more precious because 
because I'm aware of that, you know? Yeah. And that, I think that I think is the, is the kind of thread that, it's that it's a, part, it's a part of our own growing. Though. It's a part of our own growing. Um, mm. And, uh, and here's where, you know, it's, it's, it's worthwhile. I mean, we can get as, as spiritual about this as we want, but so it's worthwhile also bringing it down to, to the kind of biological level uh, additionally. And I think that there's a reason that, that precognition emerged in our evolution, you know, as, as it's about our survival, it's about survival. And it connects us to our own survive, our own future surviving successful self. And so it's going to bring us dreams about near misses and stories about bad things that may have happened to someone else and their grace, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of feeling. And so that's why some people, you know, really dream a lot about disasters or, and we all do, I think, to, to, to an extent, disasters, tragedies, things like that. No, it, what you're saying reminds me of something I read just before we began uh, like a a course uh, with the Center for Social Dreaming uh, in Amsterdam uh, just over a year ago. And, and there was uh, there was some literature about the um, Native American Indians absolutely always using uh, precognitive dreaming to protect themselves uh, from, you know, the white man at the time that was you know, mm-hmm. kind of taking their land and all that sort of stuff. They used that to, to navigate sometimes and um, and weather and when, when to move into a different uh, bit of the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess in some cultures it's, it's, it's been there and being readily, you know, experienced all the time. Um, th- th- just go back to the, um, uh, the, the kind of, the thing that instigated me doing these, uh, having these conversations, uh, which is that you know my my worry of of tech and uh, addiction to it and the the effects on people's mental health and and all of this. Do you see that you're you're like a really devoted dreamer? Um, uh, I, I'm I'm reawakening my dream life, but I'm, I'm nowhere uh, in 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 that journey like you are. Um, do you, do you see dreaming as as actually uh, is there a healthy side to it? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's incredibly it's incredibly healthy. Uh, and even I mean, even just it's healthy, even if you don't think about. Pre, I mean, just set aside precognitive dreaming, you know, or my ideas. I mean, uh, you know, this is a I think a universal experience. Uh, when people get connected to their dreams, it doesn't matter where whether it's via reading Jung or reading Freud or mm. or you know or or practicing lucid dreaming or or whatever. It's 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 an incredibly restorative. Um, it, it just it, it vastly expands your sense of of yourself um, and your. Uh, and then your depths, mm. you know, because when you start to, when you start to work with dream symbolism and, uh, uh, the, and start to free associate on, on these, the symbols in your dreams, um, it's mind blowing sometimes how, and one thing it, it connects you to, if nothing else, I mean, you don't even need to use a, a Jungian lens or a Freudian lens. I mean, just, just, yeah. uh, just, 
just decoding like the puns in your dreams. I mean, dreams are full of puns, and this is how the brain works. It, it's, 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 it builds associations. It's how, it's how memory works. In fact, this gets back to the topic of the art of memory. I mean, I think the most compelling modern theory of uh, neuroscience theory of dreaming um, is that it's essentially the art of memory operating automatically while we sleep. That 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 it's it's you're building new memories of your experiences um, uh, by doing this art of memory operation on them, which sort of connects these ex these new experiences to older experiences, and thus, like essentially, uh, makes them permanent in long term memory. Mm -hmm. And something you said that I'm going to quote because I think it's so beautiful that you said uh, was that when we're sleeping and and dreaming that we are we are making memories of our future. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, the neuroscientists will say we're, we're, we're making memories of our recent past. Well, I, I say that in fact, no, we're, we're, we are connecting recent events in our lives to events to come. We're, we're, we're creating these, these junctions uh, that, that connect, um, that connect recent experience to future experience. And, and, uh, uh, and I, I forgot what I was, where I was headed with that. What was? <laughs> Sorry, I should have interrupted you. I'm naughty. Yeah. Um, you, you were, you were talking about the, um, you, the neuro, the, the, the opinions of the neuroscientists as opposed to your. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I know what I was going to say. The, the point is. Um, just, just so they're building a build of puns, which are essentially connections, like you know things having multiple meanings. So, mm -hmm. so you know dreams are built of symbols that have multiple meanings that they're that are connected to our past, something in our past, but that then is also connected to something coming down the pike in our life, and uh, and and sort of creating a little symbol based on that. And when you just just experiencing that, just experiencing the punny nature of the unconscious itself, just like vastly expands your your sense of your own creativity especially if you're not a creative person to like start writing down your dreams and and thinking about your dreams and realizing oh man i may not have thought i was a creative person but wow my brain sure is creative and i'll give you one example and this isn't even just ignore ignore the idea of precognition in this this was uh, a dream that a friend you know i've been interested in dreams for decades and if uh, this was this was two decades over two decades ago now um long before i was interested in precognitive dream work um uh a friend a good friend of mine we were at a party uh, uh she was a it was a party of one of her fellow students and and um she said yeah i had this um dream about a really disturbing dream i want to tell you like i had a dream that my sister um she was giving a dinner party and she appeared just as her head on a platter on an with an appetizer tray with like like toothpicks stuck in her forehead it was just her head and like this very gruesome image and she was like felt very upset by this dream about her sister um well i i, I knew when she was telling me this i already knew that that you know my friend had a lot of ambivalence about her sister's achievements. So her sister had just gotten married and bought a house and all these things that my friend was nowhere near doing in her life. Okay. So she, you know, she felt jealous of that. And I, I told her, well, your dream is just telling you that your sister is ahead. <laughs> you know? Oh, this is reminding you know? me of, yeah, this is reminding me of, and she's, yeah. And, and you know, and and she her just her jaw dropped when I, I told her this. It's like, you know, 
Oh, it's language, man. The language. It's language. It's language. It's talks about that in her book, right? Um, yeah. Liminal dreaming. This, this, how language uh, can create words out of all kinds of other imagery, right? Right. Right. In the dream. Yeah, it's a basic operation in dreams. That's why writing down dreams is so important. It's not enough to just sort of tell the dream to someone. And I think it's not actually very valuable to just speak it into a tape recorder, which some people do. Um, translating it, well, I guess I guess that couldn't be valuable. Yeah, putting it into words, uh, yeah, really yeah so putting it into words in any way will 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 do it. But it'll just putting the words on the page for me like reveals whole dimensions of the dream because when you're putting actually forced dreams the th funny thing about dreams and they're great dream work is great practice if you want to be a writer because it forces you to express very complicated weird ideas in a linear sentence you know mm -hmm. and when you do it with a, that dream that just that process will reveal all kinds of puns uh that are embedded in the dream it's true what you say, because when you think of your dream and you just and it's still contained, I suppose, in your mind, uh, I, for me anyway, it feels kind of crazy. And as soon as I write it down, uh, it's it's really entertaining <laughs> to begin yeah. with, because it because it I start to see it uh, from a completely different perspective. Uh, but, I, but I'm really excited by what you just said, because although I, I do read back my dreams i haven't applied that sort of saying something and 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 sort of uh seeing the double meanings in words uh, of the things that i saw in the dream i'm gonna do that tonight <laughs> yeah it's uh it's just amazing it just reveals how incredibly witty we are we are all we're all capable of of just beyond shakespeare level yeah wit. And, uh, and in fact, it's a normal, it's our unconscious. That's just who we are. That's how our mind, brains work. Our minds, our brains, what do you want to call it? Are, are, are geniuses. I mean, we're mm -hmm. all geniuses and we, but yet we go through life, you know, you know, just putting on these, you know, putting on our drab clothes and going to work and pretending that we're just these, you know, little, um, schlubs going about our day and, and we're so much more. And so dream work, forgetting even precognitive dream work, just any kind of dream work awakens you to the, the richness and genius of, of who you are. You become creative, whether you're in a creative sort of job or, or, or right. you know, um, if it's that's part of your life or not. And I, 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 I think this, this super connected, which, which began life as a, as a single song, and and then became an album, but it's a visual album, and this is part of the research for it all. Uh, I started working on this two years ago, and out of out of one person, uh, then connected to another person and another person with so many synchronistic mm -hmm. events until it grew into the I don't know, like thirty to forty different people working on this project with me which i've not uh, um shared yet but like you uh, you know probably started working at the same time as your next book which is coming out this year this is when i'm putting the, what i did but the connections between people that were really creative and some that hadn't been but but then became so mm -hmm. uh it was uh, actually a bit looking back on it is a bit like a dream you know how 
in the dream when you wake up and you recount and you go, yeah, well, that that can't happen in, in real life, uh, but it's cool, kind of cool. Uh, it was like that in real life, what's, what, what I've gone through. Um, and so it's interesting uh, to, 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 to try to then, uh, I don't know, to, to, take, to take that as, a, as an example of, um, of, of, of our dreams being kind of keys to connection and, and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I can't wait to read the new book. So I can get that next week, can't I? Yeah, well, you can pre-order it now from, you know. Your, I'll get it. I'll your, get yeah, it. Bookstore of choice. <laughs> I'll get it after this. Um, yeah. And then just because we're on creativity, does, does creativity amplify synchronicity? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, that's my experience. I think that's anyone's experience, you know, when they're doing any kind of creative work, you know, it's like I write, you know, my creative cre creativity nowadays is just writing nonfiction, you know, books or, or articles or whatever. But, but, you know, inevitably you have that, what's called what we researchers call the library angel, uh, which is, uh, you know, you, you, you're troubled by a problem or you're stuck. And then, you know, you just pick up a book at random from your bookshelf and it opens right to this page of this quote that's like answers your problem or is exactly what you needed. Uh, it's like exactly what 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 was required then. And it's just, you know, it feels, you know, very magical and synchronistic. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so that it's just a constant experience, no matter, I think, whatever create, creative uh, uh, medium you work in now the thing is you know i'm writing a book on on writers and you know, there's some painters and filmmakers yeah, you said this is another book right this yeah is, this is this yeah. is my next project which unfortunately yeah. between you know i have a new baby and like I, my it's I know. Busy day job so it's you know it's it's very hard to eke out any time to work on it right now but um but it's full of like the kinds of artistic media that i understand like like writing uh, you know literature poetry uh filmmakings there's a, a sculptor in there and painters like that. Mm. But I, music is the one that I'm like, I am not a musical person in terms of being able right. to, you know, understand music. I, I love music, but I don't, you know, it's not my medium. And mm. I don't, you know, I, 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 I'm constantly curious how, how this would work, how pre precognition works in the life of musicians. Mm. So maybe this is something that you can help, you know, uh, help enlighten me on because I mean, i've heard you know some nice stories about you know certain you know uh yeah. oh songwriters waking up with a song in their head and writing it I, down and so forth I, there are those stories but um i will send you a link to something i i did a record uh, last year an instrumental kind of neoclassical album uh, called constellations and that was actually written as a kind of the whole project was a uh uh kind of conversation between me and kate through dreams i i wrote all the music and co composed and recorded some of it too while she was dreaming uh, in a different part of the country to where i was and um and then when she heard the music later on several months later she collaged pictures uh, uh from dreams she'd had whilst listening to the music so we've done this wild sort of never-ending conversation and and then the lockdown happened, but the plan was then to take it all to dancers and see what they what they experienced through dreaming in terms of a chor choreographic 
uh, element as well. But um, I, I, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of musical experiences uh, in 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 not not yeah in in the dream life, not like writing a song, waking up like the McCartney yesterday thing, mm-hmm. but but the other way around where where I've I've had dreams. Uh, uh, and then realized what I've written and why. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um, but music is memory anyway. It's all, it's all memory. And it's, and it, it does seem to be, a, um, I think it's so closely related to dreams in, in, in that it's, it doesn't, it's not, you know, it's not a thing. <laughs> well, it, I love, I love that sentence. Music is memory. I mean, that because, uh, you know, that's just it. The, the the puns in dreams are not just verbal. That's the thing. You you can have, you know, that's where it goes so far beyond anything that humans are c- capable of consciously. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, 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 you can have, uh, you know, sight gags, you know, in dreams or that. That's just kind of a visual pun. But you can have, you can imagine that it happens in all the senses. So imagine an olfactory pun, you know, or imagine yeah. a, a, a sonic pun or an, an aural pun you know so I, I think that our brains are, are are so amazingly our memories are so amazingly complex and structured so amazingly complexly and so it makes perfect sense that music you know you know uh, melodies and and so on would operate the same way you know uh in structuring our memory um so yeah i love that uh, i yeah, love it, it, that. It, it really does and i think when you live uh with music uh, that, I mean, there. Are, I'm sure this is the same for other singers. Uh, stuff that I did when I was really young, like in my late teens or early twenties, I just recall like that. If somebody liked one of the songs, and they said, "Can you do that?" They just come back. Something right. I did last week, not so much. Sometimes I'm like, well, "Not ready yet." But but those things are just, and they just, and they conjure up. Mm-hmm. I, I remember you you've spoken about how time. Uh, uh, conjures up the the feeling of the time. Yeah, you can have that at any time. It's a bit like where I I live in a part of London where I went to school as a kid for a while, and so I I'm constantly getting kind of uh, you know walking around and having odd memories, nice memories of me and my family when I was a kid. Uh, but it's not just the memory. It's not and it's it's not the smell, but it it's something like that. It's yeah, like a, kind of a feeling gestalt or something. Yeah, or or yeah. perception. It's like that's how I perce- how I perceived a certain time uh, when I wrote a song will come back immediately, and I'll think oh, I remember when I used to think like that. You know, remember mm-hmm. when I used to look at the world like that, and and then realize I can still look at the world like that as well. It's an incredible um, uh, putting all yourselves together. Bringing us back to where we started, the the, the long life, right? The long self. The, the, and the long self. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that music is such, is like the original art of memory was music, right? I mean, oral traditions encoded their myths and so forth in song. Mm-hmm. And and it's they, they preserve, you know, there's one example uh, uh, where an oral tradition, um, I, I assume encoded in myth or song, you know, has preserved memory of of an, of a, a volcano eruption eight thousand years in the past. You know, like this long duration mm. memory, social memory. But in our own memories, yeah, the fact the fact that we can all just you know start singing a song and and, and 
be an, even a non-musician like me. I mean, I know, you know, vast volumes of music just in, in my head, you know, maybe not perfectly, but the melodies certainly. And then the, and, and the lyrics that, that the fact that we can, we can store so much information via sound is just an incredible feature of, of our brains. And it, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like there's something special about music in that way. And and Eric, I'm going to send you some information about the method of making music that I learned in the Buddhist monastery in Thailand. Oh, I would love that. Um, because what they they had some scientists that came over to do experiments on uh, people that listen to music being made like that. Right. And, uh, and it, what it showed that it, it it actually opened the pineal gland, which is you as you know that's the the, the gland. Uh, that opens when we dream and when we sleep um it's not doesn't do it in waking life so much but it it it, it sh they they managed to find that that's mm. what it did when people listen to music that was made in this way that came from the earth so mm. um yeah i'll 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 introduce you to to some of that i think you'll find it fascinating it's called no. lysen it's only one monastery in, in in the world that does it and the guy that kind of invented it was clairvoyance so he he picked it up and said it came from another time right yeah. so yeah i think you'd love that listen i i'm so happy to talk to you and um and 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 hear from the horse's mouth all the uh interesting mysteries that i've been learning about um and I can't wait for the new book. And of course, I'll leave links to it and all of that when this is wherever I put this, <laughs> this interview. But um, thank you so much uh, for the for the time. I really appreciate it. And for saying uh, all the things I'd, I'd hope you'd say that, that might attract other people into that world of, of dreams and, uh, and, and precognitive dreaming and, and time as a different concept than we're used to. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tim. This has been a delightful conversation. <laughs> Take care, man. <laughs>